Welcome to I Communicate on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. To join the conversation, call 508-871-7000. Now, here's your host, Mark Altman. Okay, welcome to I Communicate. I am your host, Mark Altman. Glad to have you here with us. If you'd like to call in, the number is 508-871-7000. And I have to tell you, I'm really excited to be here today. But first, I come into the studio today and I see my best bud, Ted. Ted. Oh, it's, that's exactly what my emotions felt like. To a T. Ted, so good to see you. I missed you, my man. Good morning. So, all right. So today we are talking about a concept that is long, long overdue. And for those of you who know at Mindset Go, one of the primary things we do is we work with leadership, all various levels of leadership. And one of the concepts I've been working with more and more companies on in the last year or two is the difference between a leader and a coach. And what are the core competencies that go with being a coach? Because if you are a good leader, that does not necessarily mean you have the coaching skill set. And I brought a specialist in today to participate in this conversation, someone who I have a tremendous amount of respect for. She has just joined Mindset Go as our newest coach, and um, she just humored me before our session today and just put me on the hot seat, <laughs> and uh, I learned a whole ton. So I'd like to welcome Patty Burke. Patty, thank you so much for joining. Hi, thanks for having me. Great to be here. All right, so Patty, first, let's let our audience, as they're going to get to know a lot more of you. So Patty, just tell, tell a little bit about yourself and your experience and your passion for coaching. Oh, gosh, thank you. Um, So I am a health and transformational coach. I help people to implement long-term healthy habit changes in order for them to achieve certain health goals that they have in their lives, to lose weight, to help reduce stress, um, to help uh, avoid risk of disease. And we do that through mindset and behavior changes and uh, and educational pieces, and a coach as a coach, I provide them the support and accountability to help them stay on track um, to achieve their goals. So, Patty, I have to ask you. Anytime we have a guest on the show, the question yeah. I'm always because I'm 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 all about passion. So, yeah. did you just wake up one morning <laughs> and decide you wanted to do this? Like, yeah. where did that come from? Oh, good question. Um, I it came from a passion that I developed about 23 years ago. And I know that date because it's when my third daughter and last child was born. Okay. And here I was a very active um, mom of two toddlers, uh, athletic, social, energetic. And I found myself after this child um, being depleted, Mm. exhausted, losing my hair, um, acting out, being moody around my husband and other people, and I couldn't keep up with my kids. I just was a version of myself, and uh, that threw me for a loop. So I turned to the integrative m- medical community and, and holistic providers to help get to the root causes because the doctors were a little bit mystified as to what was happening. 
So in any case, um, I did that. I made a commitment to myself. I realized there's a bigger picture involved here that it's if this is affecting my family and my relationships. I've got to do something about it. So I did. Um, I dove into it. I It ended up I had um, uh, uh, extreme fatigue, uh, adrenal fatigue. I had undiagnosed Lyme disease. And... Um, um, I had uh, hormone imbalances. So I um, took natural products. I worked out. I got on a better nutrition regime, did acupuncture and a lot of self-care. And, uh, and eventually over time, uh, it, it worked. So I found that lifestyle changes and commitment to self really made a big impact in my life and the people around me. I did it on my own. I never knew about coaching, never heard of it. So I did this over a 20-year period. My youngest one then goes off to college. So I, w I was a stay-at-home mom, and I worked for volu volunteering and for nonprofits. She goes off to college, and I realize, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? I needed a purpose. And I realized my passion was health and wellness. I did a lot of it investigating. I lived it. So I wanted to then learn about it. I got my coach certification. And I wanted to share it with others and allow them to stand in their magic and share it with others. Okay, so um, unbelievable story. <laughs> like, um, fabulous. Thanks. I'm so glad you got to where you got to. I mean, that's, that's tremendous. Yeah. I guess, you know, as I was listening to you, one thing that was going through my head, before you got that coaching certification, mm -hmm. do you think there was innate skills? We're talking on the show today about what are the skills you need to have to be a good coach. Did you have any of those skills before you got that mm. certification? And mm. part two of the question is, when you were going through the certification, did you at any point say to yourself, hey, I already do this? Yeah. Like, what did that look like? Yeah, good, good, good point. Um, so did I have the skills? I didn't know it at the time. Um, but a, what I learned along the way is a, a good coach needs to have em empathy. They have to have an have an ability to be um, be a receiver, you know, really be that, that sounding board, you know, create the space for the other person um, to be able to let down their guard and open up and be vulnerable. And so a coach, you know, needs to be able to have that patience and compassion and empathy for the other person. So what's funny to me, Patty, is I think there's probably a lot of people listening to the show going, well, I'm empathetic, <laughs> right? So so empathy, here's what I heard you say, and tell me if this is what you meant. What I hear you say is when you talk about being a receiver and a sounding board, you're talking about putting your own agenda aside, oh, yeah. your, your, your need to reply, listen to reply. So that in itself, this is why when people say, I want to learn to be more empathetic, it's a skill set in itself, right? So is that what you meant? Yes. So here's another aspect I learned through coaching on that line of empathy and understanding that person. It's important as a leader or a coach um, to put yourself on their map. Putting them on, put yourself in their shoes, which is a very hard thing to do. Why? Why is it so hard for people, Patty? Be because people are coming from their own place of being. They're coming from their own experiences. See, our actions and behaviors are based on our mindset. And our mindset 
is based on our beliefs and identity. Yep. Um, and so people act out in that way. Coaches have to put their own backgrounds and their own experiences aside and be able to be open to whatever that other person is going through or that coworker. And it can be a very difficult way to be, right? So I have to put my own judgments, like the way I would behave in something would be this way, this way. Why aren't you doing it, you know, to my client? No, you have to have an opposite approach, a more open way of receiving, you know, what is going on in their world? What is their map like? And how can I jump into their way of being right now? So it's all about that stepping back process and being present. Well, and it's funny to me listening to you because what are the core ingredients of empathy? One is listening to understand and one is asking insightful, meaningful questions, right? Yes. And so the whole problem, Patty, like you say, people coming from their own places and experiences and the mindset, which you're a thousand percent right. Like there's no question. And you know what I think is even a bigger problem than that? If there is possibly a bigger problem than that, and that is time. Mm. Because when I work with leaders, I see a lot when I tell people how to use conversational intelligence, how to use emotional intelligence, conceptually they get it, like they understand. But to be empathetic, you actually have to slow down enough to take the time to do so. Yeah, exactly. So a coach needs to model this behavior right for right. for their client it, it's it's a perfect way to do it so when i when i'm in coaching sessions we'll practice mindfulness uh skill building and so it's important if you're a leader or a coach to be able to um you know take those breaths um calm your nervous system and um and be able to be open to um to you know new perspectives you know it, 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 not everyone is going to have the same perspective. So you don't want to get into an argumentative approach. It needs to come from a place of understanding, patience, and, and calmness. So if you can model that for your client, they start to you know, use it as a habit. Well, and, it's, and it seems so easy. Like the way you're explaining yeah. it, it's like, yeah, just do that. And, right. and Patty, I have to tell you, the word mindfulness is a very uh, difficult word for people. It feels, as one person once told me um, in a training, Patty, they said, all right, enough of this Dr. Phil stuff. You know, it's like mindfulness. Be present. Yes. You know? Okay, yes. so we're, we need to go to our first break. We're going to, Patty and I are going to pick up the concept of mindfulness when we come back. For Patty Burke, I'm Mark Altman. We'll be right back. Now, I Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Okay, welcome back to I Communicate. I'm here with Patty Burke. And just to, just to kind of get us back into the context here, you know, we're talking about the qualities of a coach and the difference between a coach and a leader. Now, what's interesting is if you're a parent, you are a coach. If you are a sports coach, you are a coach. If you're a teacher, you're a coach. A coach models behavior. Okay, so let's just put that out there. Coach, the first thing they do is model behavior. So when you're leading, Patty talked in the first segment about the power of empathy. We talked about how empathy is attached to asking questions and listening to understand. 
So think about this, whether you're a parent, you're a teacher, you're a boss, you're whatever, you could be using that skill set, those coaching tools. But what Patty was speaking about before the break is mindfulness. And so Patty, my question is, mindfulness feels so far out for so many people around yoga and meditation as if that's a bad thing. So my question to you is, how, how do we make mindfulness mainstream so people understand the amazing benefits of it? Oh, absolutely. So the way I see mindfulness, it, it's essentially a tool to get you to become more self-aware. Big deal. I mean, okay. anybody could become more self-aware, Patty. So <laughs> what do I get for being more self-aware? It's huge. Self-awareness, um, it's the root of how we are going to behave in our lives. And the more we're self-aware, the more we have power of choice. Power of choice on how we are going to behave, how we are going to give, and how we're going to receive. And this affects every area of our life. It can affect our relationships, our career potential, our own health, right? On how we treat ourselves. Um, and if we're going through life being uh, mindless, then we are going to be careless. We might be carefree. We might make mistakes. We might become unhealthy. We might fall into distractions and bad behaviors, behaviors that are not serving us. Okay, so, so, so Patty, very great stuff. I want to repeat what Patty said for our listeners because it's just so powerful. Self-awareness is the root of how we're going to behave, the power of choice. So let me give everybody some examples because when people ask me what Mindset Go does when it has to do with leadership or communication or sales or wellness, it starts with how you manage yourself, your self-awareness, right? So being more self-aware means controlling what you can control. Now, many of our listeners may be sitting there going, I know, control what you can't control, let go of what you can't, but you may know it, but you may forget it. So being self-aware is remembering and living that, right? Being self-aware and managing yourself is be curious about why people act the way they do. Respond and don't react. Recognize what you can influence. Patty just spoke about being self-aware of how you treat and talk to yourself. Like, these are fundamental tenets of managing yourself and self-awareness. And you just, as a leader, you can't, forget about coaching other people. You, you can't even ably manage other people if you don't know how to manage yourself. That was powerful. What was that? Like, a, that's like a power lift. It how many things were there? Well, so Can we actually, I, I, I only read four of them, but okay. we have seven. Patty, we're going to continue to grow that list. Right. But to your point, yeah. it really comes down to, and we've talked about this on the show before, self-reflection and building in time for mindfulness, yeah. self-reflection. And I think so many people, again, we talk about time being a kryptonite. How do you get people to build in time for that self-reflection? Mm -hmm. So it comes down to... Well, I can make two simple buckets, Priority, prioritization and boundaries. Okay. I know those are big concepts. And again, that can sound overwhelming, but it can easily be personalized and broken down to, to um, be customized for your own lifestyle and your own work style 
your own family life. Um, that's where, you know, coaching and mindset go, you know, the value of working with a professional to be able to focus in on your own situation and how to make it the best that it could be. Well, it's funny, Patty. You made me think as you said that one of my experiences when leaders typically have performance improvement habit change conversations is in the beginning of the conversation, after there's alignment on what the issue is, the leader will typically say, how can I help you? What can I do to make this better? And I always tell leaders, they don't know. You, like you're putting them, first of all, they're not prepared for the question. Second of all, they probably haven't done a whole heck of a lot of self-reflection on what that is. So you and I talk a lot about obstacles mm. for people to change habits and behaviors. And talk about, as a coach, how critical it is to not only identify the obstacles, but get people to kind of draw it out of them what they think those obstacles actually are. Sure. It can be hard um, for that person to recognize the obstacles. So a coach will go multiple layers with them to find out, you know, where their struggles are, what they think is holding them back, and um, way, you know, what has worked for them in the past. So, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's very difficult to do your own self-reflection, but, but when you're focused and targeted to answer those specific questions, and again, a, a manager can hop in and do this for one of their employees if they're not seeing progress with that person. They can see, you know, what, where do you, th what are the outside factors? So oftentimes it's, it's either people or environment that, that can become those obstacles. Another factor is sabotage. You know, what kind of sabotaging effects? Is it negative self-talk or is it, um, uh, you know, your own, your own misgivings or fears? Well, so Patty, what I want to do for our listeners is I want to take them through like a two-minute example. Because when Patty talks about layers, what she's really talking about is when you ask someone to reflect on why a problem or obstacle exists, they're very rarely going to cooperate on the first question, either because they don't know or they're being resistant. So Patty, let's take an example. You're the coach. I'm the, pro I'm the coachee. Mm -hmm. And you've just asked me, I want to lose weight. Okay, and so you've just asked me, you know, uh, start the process. What would be a question yes, around so obstacles? What, Mark, what's your goal? Um, can you describe what you want for, for yes. weight or your health? I'd like to lose 10 pounds in the next four months. Okay, great. So why is that important to you, Mark? What, what would that do for okay. you in your life? So why is that important to me? I just feel better about myself. And why, why, what will that do for you? When you feel better about yourself, when you feel better about yourself, what will that do for you? Okay, now I want to stop because I want people to pay attention to what Patty just did. I didn't answer her first question. That's right. I just gave a very generic reply like I'll feel better about myself. And Patty, as a coach, knows that that's not going to get it done because it's not really a measurable thing just to feel better about myself. So Patty forces the issue in a very respectful, kind way and says, well, could you describe that? And so I say to Patty, well, um, I like to dress up and there's certain nice clothes I have that I can't fit into. So I'd be able to dress in some of the clothes I really like. Great. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. So when you are 
at this weight loss goal and you're now fitting into the clothes, um, how will, will that, that mean, make a right? difference in your life? Right. So how, what, what will that affect? What will that mean? What will that mean? So now Patty's on her third layer deep in the question. She's made progress with me. I've yeah. given her something and she's listening so intently to the last thing I said that she expands on the question. And here's the thing, everybody. She didn't try to solve my problem. She didn't jump in with her own agenda and solution. She just is patient, what she talked about earlier. Patience, listening, asking questions. And providing them a vision. And providing a vision. The vision. So we're going to pick this part up after the break, and we're going to continue on we were. But the bottom line is adding in layers of questions requires you to be patient, to do, to listen, to be empathetic, but it also requires you to put give and receive, like put your own agenda aside. So for I Communicate, uh, we're going to go into our next break. Uh, Patty Burke, I'm Mark Altman, and we'll be right back. Now, I Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Okay, welcome back to I Communicate. I'm here with an amazing coach, Patty Burke, and I am Mark Altman, uh, founder of Mindset Go. And Patty, you said something during the break I want to start the next segment with. You said people want to be seen and heard. Like this is not a tough concept, right? People want to be seen and heard. Well, I have two questions for you about that comment. Number one, what does seen mean if it's not a visual situation? So let's start there. Okay. Or does it have so to be a visual employee, situation? Does that imply that? No. Seen and heard, this is, let's take a leader and their employee. That employee, for them to be able to be productive and successful at you, what you want them to mm. do as part of your team member, yep. um, they have to feel valued. Yeah. Recognized. Recognized. Appreciated. And, and the way I, I lump it is just to be seen and heard. Love it. it th- this, is, this is one... Um, basic human uh, attribute that every human needs in order to thrive. And our basic need is to be seen and heard. Well, and Patty, we just came up with something to add to our uh, managing yourself list is recognize when you need to be seen and heard, right? That's a self-awareness piece. Yes, it is. Now, let me ask you another question, Patty. My experience around the word validation is that... People often, I feel, confuse validating with agreeing. So when I validate your perspective and point of view, and I'm hearing you, that doesn't mean I agree with it. I'm just validating it, correct? It's huge. It's huge. You really won't get much response from your employees or that other person unless they're feeling valued and seen and heard. And so one way for you to do it as a manager is to... um, Repeat, repeat, reflect back on what you heard them say, even though you might not agree with it. You're validating, you're letting them know I hear you and see you. You may, you may have a completely opposite perspective, but um, it, 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 it's, it's called reflective behavior is what you want to model, yep. right? And so you, you'll repeat what they said. You know, they might be saying, I, you know, I'm pissed off at this and I can't do this and, and, and I'm, whatever. And you can say, okay, ooh, I understand what you're saying. You're, you're really upset. 
Um, yeah, I can, I, I can kind of see that. Um, tell me more. Okay, so it's really, you, you have to stay present with that person. Tell me more. You, that's how you show your empathy. It's how you, you, they're being seen. The more that they're being heard, then it then opens them up. It's called rapport. You're having a better <laughs> rapport with them. And then they're going to feel more open to then hearing some of your perspective that you want to eventually get across to them. Geez, Ted, I can bring this right into sales training now. Once you use the word rapport, I'm all about the sales now. So listen, Patty, um, powerful stuff. Uh, one thing one thing that came to mind as I was listening to you is, and I'm going to give you an example of my 15-year-old son. When you talk about validating, a lot of times people, they'll, they'll ask you a question and you'll give them an answer and they won't even acknowledge the, the, the answer and they'll just go on to the next thing like, Cole yeah. will ask me about fantasy football. I'll go, Dad, what do you think about such and such quarterback? And I'll tell him, and I'll be like, okay, what do you think of such and such running back? I'm like, did you even hear what I just said? Were you even present for my last response? And so this validation piece that we're talking about, it's critical because it's not always in a conflict situation. No. It's just no. acknowledging being present here. Literally, it could be about what people did on vacation or what they did last weekend. Yeah. Are you, or, or are you too excited to tell them what you did on the weekend? Of course. Yeah. So if he said back to you, oh, thanks, Dad, for that suggestion right. on the quarterback. That's it. That's it. And then go on to the next answer. Yep. That's all that's needed. Yep. Yeah. So, Patty, I, I want to I kind of branch off into this obstacle piece, but I want to bring up a different angle. So when someone can't move forward in a habit or a behavior change, mm -hmm. um, the way I always teach it to people is there are so many factors that can get in the way of that. And in my experience with leadership, one of the reasons why so many leaders have repeat conversations about the same thing is because they don't get to the root cause of what the problem was initially. So let's face it, Patty, if, if you are having a problem with the habit behavior change, it could be a fear. It could be confidence. It could be knowledge. It could be skills. It could be the people in the environment, as you yes. referred to earlier. It could be accountability. You can't be accountable. So how do you... How do you, you know, getting to that root cause, you talked about the ladder effect yeah. before, but that's so key in coaching, in getting yeah. to the root cause, right? Yeah. And, it, and it's opening them up. Okay. Sorry about that. Yeah. So, um, so getting to that root cause can be, can be hard. It's a process. So that's where the leader has to be patient. Um, so give, give it time, uh, you know, patient, I don't have time be patient. to be patient. Well, Patty, you know how busy I am. Do you know how many things I've got to do? Exactly. So you break it into small pieces. Um, and, and you, it's, it's like spoon feeding that toddler. You're going to spoon feed your employee in order to ultimately get them to, you know, create a new way of being a new habit. Right? So the only way us as humans make big changes is is it's through small little stepping stones small little bite-sized pieces so it, it starts with the rapport the being present being uh, mindful with that employee and then and then spoon feeding them um, you know ways that that you want to help to open them up see where their challenges are being there for them 
uh, but also setting boundaries. So kind of giving them a vision of, of, of what could be and then um, setting up a way, okay, a process so, to do it. I've got a whole bunch of stuff to say, Patty, about that. So first of all, I hope everybody just heard what Patty said, spoon feeding the employee. And I just want to address the elephant in the room here. Because anybody who heard that phrase and is like, oh, I know, they're just like my kids. I have to treat people like the kids because they don't do what I ask them to do. Patty did not mean spoon feed in a condescending way. Everybody has flaws. Everybody has challenges. If serving size, great point, Tim. If you go into a conversation about habit and behavior change, and I'm going to give you a perfect example. Patty talked about how we all come from our own place and experience, right? So if you've got me, I've been biting my nails for 25 years. I've been doing it for 25 years. If your goal in that first conversation is to get me to stop biting my nails, good luck. Right. Not going to happen. I am emotionally attached to that behavior. I'm not going to change it. So when Patty talks about spoon feeding, Ted says serving size, what we're talking about is having realistic expectations, not only of the other person, but look at yourself in the mirror. If the situation were reversed and we were trying to change your Mm -hmm. habit, we would need to spoon feed you. Right, Patty? Yeah. And a couple things with that. First of all, there are emotions mm. that are lying, underlying between pe- be behind people's behaviors, right? So, so you as a leader have to recognize that your employee, right? You can't all of a sudden stop biting your nails um, because there, there's emotional attachment. So, um, so there are emotions that are driving that employee who might be repeating the same like bad habits. Um, so, so you kind of have to get to an emotional level, emotional level with that employee. Yep. Understand what their feelings are, all right, behind their behaviors. Second of all, what I mean by spoon-feeding, what I mean is small, actionable, um, empowered actions that you want to um, provide that employee. So let's use your nail biting. So what I would do on a weekly basis is just check in regarding why Mark is biting the nails, when it's happening, what's triggering it, and how he can uh, start to recognize it. So that's the first step of the spoon feeding, is that employee starting to self-aware, you know, be, be more self-aware. Well, go ahead. And recognize Keep going. Then, then they're going to start to practice just the awareness piece. Then you start, once they get pretty good at the awareness piece, then they can start practicing small little action items um, in small doses of that habit change. So it would be, okay, he would go two days without biting the nails and then check in, have a check-in, right, or some kind of reward or some kind of a yay moment. So there's celebration involved, right? So we always need that positive... um, feedback loop to happen because human nature we respond well to when those happy hormones are being induced well patty i i and that creates long-term habit change so so i just want to tell you that it goes back to what you said before about mindfulness you cannot change a habit until you catch yourself in the act of doing it again the self-awareness piece so 
There is a tool I just created for clients for Mindset Go, which I am dying to show you, which I'm going to show you as soon as this radio show ends today. It is called a situational... Oh, oh see, Ted's <laughs> creating a little teaser for the next segment. Okay. So I'm not going to tell you what the tool is. So um, for Patty Burke, I'm Mark Altman. We'll be back for our final segment right after the break. Now, I Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Okay, so we're back for our final segment with Patty Burke. Um, Patty has specialties in so many things, but uh, being life and wellness coach, trainer, um, industry expert are just among three of them. So I want to talk about the situational awareness piece. I was creating, I created this tool for my clients and it's about being mindful of opportunities to change habits. And you can't change the habit until you catch yourself in the act and are mindful of those opportunities. And as I was explaining, basically you write down the triggering event. Triggering event in this case means what made you aware that this is an opportunity to change the habit. For example, if you read an email that puts you in a bad mood or you're now very disappointed as a result of that email and you have a tendency to maybe reply something very abruptly or harshly, the triggering act was reading that negative email. The second piece is before, during, after. And before, during, after is about recognizing the opportunity after it happened, when it's happening, and before it happened. And the point that Patty and I always talk about is even if you make a mistake and send a harsh email back and then an hour later you're like, oh, darn, that was an opportunity to send a nice email, you still get credit for being mindful. You haven't fixed the habit yet, but you still recognize the opportunity. And then comes your choice to respond. And then the final column, which is the outcome column. And Patty, this is a huge mindset goal philosophy. This may be our biggest philosophy. And let me explain what the outcome column means and then how it ties into our philosophy. You could behave brilliantly. You could use great word choice and tone and listen to understand and have amazing body language and you're self-aware and you're using empathy and you're doing every possible thing right. And you still may not get the reaction you're looking for. So the outcome column is a reminder to people that even though you did your part the other person may have responded negatively or neutrally, but that doesn't mean you did it wrong. So it's a reinforcement. And so our philosophy, Patty, and then I'm going to ask you the question. Our philosophy is that it, we are an outcome-based society. We don't teach that at Mindset Go. We teach habits and behaviors. Because if you get the habits and behaviors right, you will organically get the outcomes. Yes. So my question to you is, Situational awareness log, just such the concept of situational awareness, managing yourself. Here we go again. Where does that fit in when we're when a leader is learning that coaching core competency? How important is that in kind of a foundational piece to their to their success? You mean, as yes. a leader, yes, and getting the outcomes they want. Yes, yeah, um, it's so important. Um, if they can incorporate some of these coaching techniques, um, they will, you know, in their own life, their own self-awareness, um, their own, you know, way of um, uh, 
uh, enhancing their health, their mental health, their physical health, um, that will all reflect on their ability to be a strong leader and get the most you know, out of their job and their team. Well, wait a minute. So, wait, wait a minute. So again, it's going back to that person. Okay, go ahead. So Patty, here's my question. I am a sales leader at a company. Mm-hmm. I, my performance review, my KPIs, my metrics are all about making sure I hit certain numbers. And so I look at you as a sales leader and I say, yeah, I don't, I don't get anything for that, Betty. Like if I become self-aware and I develop all these coaching competencies that you and Mark speaking so much about, I don't, I don't get anything for that because as long as my team hits the numbers, that's what I'm paid for. What would you say to that, Patty? Well, I'd ask, how's the rest of your life going? <laughs> That's immediately what I'd ask, right? Is that what it's all about? If that is the number one driving factor is to reach your numbers and that's all that matters to you in your life, then okay, then you don't, you know, you don't have an issue. But what if your boss is not, not doing well with you? What if your coworkers are not doing well? What if you're in bad family situations? Um, you know, how, how is everything else going in your life? Um, that, that's key to, well, you know, I would think that would be important as well. Well, and I think there's another piece, Patty, and I love your thoughts on this. I think you, you hit the nail on the head, right? It's how's the rest of you go, like going, what about the other bi-directional relationships yeah. at the company you have? And there's another thing. Why did you become a leader in the first place? Because the whole point the, the primary core competency, which we keep coming back to, is knowing how to motivate, inspire, and develop other human beings. So, yeah, you're not getting money, quote-unquote, but isn't that why you became a leader in the first place, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. But, 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 but Patty, you know, I think the challenge is that a lot of people don't become leaders for that. They become leaders because they do well at other roles in the company, and someone in the company goes... You know, that, that Patty, she's been doing a really good job of doing such and such. We need to elevate her into a leadership role, yet they don't have the experience or training for it. And, and Patty, that's, that's why I know you and I are so passionate about. Right. If you're elevating someone in that role, it's got to start with the ability to coach. Absolutely. Sure. And, and, and everyone is, well, people then say you see a talent and you want to elevate that person or you want to become a leader. Um, it's not always a natural ability. It can be learned. And, um, and that's, that's where, you know, where some training is involved. Well, it's I, not as easy. It's not as innate in some people as it is in others. Well, I want to explore that with you because yeah. if someone called you up tomorrow and said, hey, I, I want to be a coach or I'm a leader and I want to develop those coaching skills, what are you looking for? just as a baseline to see if they have that it quality. Is it back to the empathy thing again? Or what, what are your barometers before you even get in a conversation with them? What would you want to know? Well, I'd want to know if they're, if they're somewhat fearless. Mm. You know, are they holding themselves back? Do they have fears um, for feeling like, like they could be capable of you know, learning to step into a leadership role? Um, so what, what, would, what would their fears be? And, and now let's pretend that they're not there. And what kind of vision? So I want to see if they can envision themselves 
Like if you took all the fears away, you know, what would that look like in your life? What would that be like? And, uh, and there, there were tools, there were ways to do this. And once they get that vision going, it's starting to build that confidence loop that Pat, they need. Patty, if you were talking to someone, a leader, who had some aspirations to learn how to be an effective coach, and you posed the question, um, tell me some of your areas of development. Tell me some ways that other people perceive you that you're aware of. If they struggle to answer that question and they weren't even right. self-aware, would that not be an enormous red flag? Well, yeah, yeah. They, they might be missing what, what um, their actions, their behaviors, how it's impacting others in their life. Right, because if you're not in touch with your own yeah. strengths, weaknesses, areas of it, development, how, how are you going to coach others, right? Right. Back to the managing yourself so, again. Yes. Um, so let, let's, one other concept before we wrap up today, Patty, is um, I want to go back to something you taught me earlier today. It's something I haven't done in coaching and I love, and we only have two minutes, mm -hmm. so I'm going to rush you through this a little bit. But talk about that clutter piece you taught me earlier today. Oh, I love that. Yes, yes. So when we're embarking on a new habit change, or we want to transform something in our life. Um, you know, we have to just, just picture this visual of a cup just going back in for a refill of water. And you're refilling that cup. Well, if we want to add things in our life, um, we're going to end up overflowing in that cup. Um, and, and, then, and then it's no, no good to us. We're overwhelmed, we'll give up. Um, we are self-defeated. So we want to be able to clear out and make room, um, uh, get rid of the old habits that are no longer serving us so that we can bring in new concepts, right? So, so we want that equal balance. So we have to be willing to let go in order to bring in the new. So one way to start that is a declutter process. So let's physically declutter a little piece of our environment to get us started on this new journey. And, um, and I start my clients out and I let them pick whether it's their wallet or, or a top drawer or their basement, an area of their basement. Give them a, a time period and they can feel accomplished. In clearing out that clutter, it gives them a new start and then they can start bringing in new perspectives and new habits. Out with the old and in with the new. All right, this has been another edition of I Communicate. Patty, you are so awesome. Thank you so oh, much for joining us. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Ted, thanks for your efforts as always. And I'm Mark Altman. We'll see you next time.